Serie A was spectacular, but we saw one-horse races in La Liga, Liga and the Bundesliga. Will we have more competition this time around? Following in the footsteps of great travellers like Marco Polo, Judith Chalmers and Richard Ayoade, we are set for a wander around the continent. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is New Season Only Better. sorted out the travel money, he's made sure that he's got his passport. Mark O'Hare, he's braced for the airport. Mark, what are you looking forward to in the top five leagues this season? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, what am I looking forward to? Um, probably the top ends of Serie A and La Liga. Um, I think we've got some potential title races there and also some really interesting battles for the Champions League positions in both leagues. Uh, in the Bundesliga and Liga. Uh, I mean, Liga below PSG, I think, is quite exciting as well in the race towards Europe. But um, the Bundesliga, I think, may or may not, well, I think it may well be a repeat of what we've seen with the same, same four teams in a similar order. But I sort of bow to your superior knowledge on, on that to tell me if I'm right or wrong. But You're right. <laughs> <laughs> particularly uh, in Spain, I mean, Barcelona have been hitting the news up almost every day. Um, can they close the gap on Real Madrid? A uh, bit of a mishmash, really, in terms of what they're doing of, of trying to just sign superstars, it seems, and try and fit them into a team. But I do think, in terms of Xavi, there's a, a head coach and a, a, minds, a, a mind behind the operation who is probably a bit more sensible and probably has an idea about what he's going to do with his team. But uh, Real Somebody Madrid... sensible at Barcelona, are you sure? Yeah, it seems like they've, they sort oh, of flip-flopped with... With Real Madrid, because Madrid have done some really sensible business in terms of Schumeni and, and Rudiger yeah. um, to strengthen what is already a, a very strong squad, European champions no less. So, uh, yeah, I think um, the top two in Spain is going to be very interesting, but Italy as well. I think there's there's three teams again, the top three of the Milan play, Milan teams and Juve. Um, be interested to see if anyone can challenge them. I don't think they probably can yet, but uh, hopefully Juventus uh, continue to falter. He's topped up the bronzer supplies. He's crammed 20 NBA caps into the suitcase. He's going to wear them all backwards just to look cool. Jake Oscarthorpe from Infogol with us once again. Brilliant title race in Italy last season. Milan came out on top in the end. Should be pretty tight again, shouldn't it? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, everyone's strengthened, really, um, apart from Milan, you could argue. Um, Inter obviously bringing Lukaku back, adding that extra firepower. Um, we're seeing him and, and Martinez now will sort of link up again and do what they did a couple of seasons back. Um, Juventus are the interesting one. A couple of interesting additions, obviously bringing Paul Pogba back is the, is the headline. Um, Angel that Di seems Maria. a fabulous move for everybody, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think everyone was happy with the outcome of that. I think Pogba um, will go to a place where he's absolutely loved um, and he's working with a coach who got the best out of him previously, yeah. which I think is quite key. Um, and you've also got Angel Di Maria coming in. Um, you've got Vlavic, who's going to be better again after um, six months of adapting to Juventus and, and Allegri's style. Hopefully Chiesa comes back fully fit and raring to go at That's some point during the season. That's the big question, isn't it? Because he's the X factor, isn't he, Chiesa? Because when he's fully fit and playing well, he's a really difficult guy to contain. I think Italy have really suffered from not having him in the team. So he's the one they're desperate for him to come back on. Absolutely, yeah. He, as you said, he's the X factor. He's the man who 
um, who can do something out of nothing. And, and you know, his high intensity drove, drove his team, not only Juventus, but Italy as well during the Euros. Uh, really drove him up the pitch, pressing relentlessly and just setting the tempo for everyone. So the sooner they can get him back, the better. Um, but yeah, it is set to be fascinating at the top. And, and you know, credit Milan. I mean, we, I think we were three or four game weeks before the end of the season and we were looking at the fixture list and Inter had an absolute doddle of the last few or four, uh, three or four games and Milan had some really tricky games uh, against... Dug it out, didn't and they? they really dug it out. Yeah. And it wasn't as though they were winning narrowly. They were going places and winning 2-3-0 really comfortably, potentially tricky places. So um, they'll only be better for that, for winning the title, another season older because it was a very young, hungry team. Obviously lost a couple of players. Kessie might be a big blow. Um, but, you know, you're looking at the likes of Rafael Leao, who should really impress again. What a player. I mean, um, he, was he the best player in Serie A for you last season? He was definitely up there, yeah. Um, he was absolutely fantastic. He was just You couldn't take your eyes off him when he was on the pitch. Just so direct, um, so skillful, so tricky. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be fascinating, that title race. And, and it probably could be, again, um, one of the best ones in Europe. Because, you know, last season we had Man City Liverpool going toe-to-toe. But in all seriousness, it wasn't all that exciting because we expected them to win every week whereas Milan and Inter and Juve um, Serie A is a little bit stronger in the middle to suggest that couple can, uh, they could see a few more slip-ups than what we got in the Prem Yeah Mark Juventus are the favourites at 2.68 here Jake has made the case for all of the, the quality players they have I guess there's a question mark defensively Matthias De Ligt has gone to Bayern at time of recording, they were on the chase for Bremer, who was brilliant for Torino last season. We think that will probably happen. But I wonder two things. I wonder defensively, are they strong enough? And also, football's moved on a little bit from when Allegri was so successful. He is a reactive coach, he's a very good coach. Can you still win that way? Yeah, that, that's my question. I think defensively, I, I'm, I'm quite happy with them, in fairness, because if they get Bremer in my opinion, was probably the best defender in Serie A last season. Fantastic capture. Um, and they get Chiesa back to being Chiesa, then, yeah, they're going to be closer. Um, Allegri, that's the question mark for me. Uh, I thought he was a, the right appointment when he came in. Wasn't massively impressed by what they did last season. You consider the, the pelters that Andrea Pirlo got in his campaign. Yeah, um, Allegri got off a lot of that kind of criticism because of who he is. He's um, really angry for most of the season. <laughs> yeah, um, and I'm not totally enamoured with Di Maria and Pogba being signings. But I think, yeah, they'll, they'll do a job and they'll improve the team. But I'd rather they sort of went around and, and looked for the likes of Bremer, looked to try and pick off um, sort of Serie A team's better players and do things that way. The, it's the Bayern The Bayern way. Munich way, yeah, yeah which yeah. is what Juve used to do. Um, they used to do some really good, sensible business, free transfers. Yes, they'd pay big money for contracts, but um, you know, Di Maria um, probably underutilised at, at PSG. Still has a lot to offer um, as a link player, but they're not signings that really got me excited. Whereas I think Inter Milan are with Lukaku. That's a signing that will make a massive impact. Um, no major outgoings bar Perisic, really. Vidal was always on his last legs anyway. Um, Mkhitaryan's a, an odd move, I thought. Um, not sure he was massively needed by Inter. He's a good depth player, though, isn't he? And it was probably a cheap pickup. And I think there were times for Roma where he did change a game in the way that he used to when he was really good at Borussia Dortmund. So I suppose that's a depth yeah. signing, isn't it, really? Yeah. And, yeah... Um, 
I just think Simonian's arguably better for the year as well with Inter Milan. Um, I think he's a really talented head coach. Um, unlucky that he just met Milan in a, a relentless mood last year. Um, I'd be more of a back of an Inter than Juve at the moment, but um, that's not to say that Allegri gets things right because there's a lot of talent um, and there's a demand now as well that Juve deliver, um, whereas I think he got away with that last year. Are we discounting Milan a little bit too Well, much? I was just going to ask you, actually, because Milan are 5.8, and people might look at that and think, well, they're def defending champions, why are they so big? But they can't spend huge amounts of money because of the financial issues of years gone by. They've lost Kessie, which I think is big in midfield. They do have some good players still in there. I think they're one of the... We've talked before about the transfer market and kind of waiting maybe to see what happens in the market. I think if you believe Milan are going to go out and make some signings, the time to back them is now, really, isn't it? Charlotte de Catalara, who was brilliant for Club Brugge last season, is a really smart player, looks as though he's going to go there. So if they make signings like that, you'd think they'd be stronger. Mark, they, they looked ever so good at the back. Jake was saying earlier on, they dug out results game after game after game. They're going to have to do that again. Away form was incredible last season, uh, particularly in that final run-in. They had some really tricky away games and they went and got big results. My concern is the, the squad is smaller. Uh, Kessie, I do think, is a big loss. And it's a bit of a stereotype, but I'll bring it out anyway. It's harder to defend the title than it is to win the title. Yeah. And I just think the other two rivals have gotten stronger. I'm not saying Milan have stood still, but I don't see at the minute enough to suggest that they can keep pushing those boundaries even further. So um, possibly they're a bit too big at the minute, but um, I'd be surprised if they defended the title. Helps to have the best keeper in the league, which I think they do in Mike Menon. He was absolutely sensational last season. Roma are really intriguing, Jake, aren't they? Because they're 11.5 to win the league. They won the Conference League last season. Jose Mourinho so excited about that. He went <laughs> out and got a tattoo. tattoo. Yeah. Uh, midlife crisis right there. <laughs> so Paolo Dybala's there. That's really exciting. Nemanja Matic is there. That's not Less quite exciting. so exciting. <laughs> um, but Zeki Celic's gone in, who I think is a decent player, as a, as a part of what Lille did when they won Liga. So there are some good moves there, and it shows that Roma is still quite a sexy club if players like Dybala are willing to go there. Oh, they're willing to go there partly because of that and partly because of Mourinho. I think um, for quite a few players, it's a dream to play under him. And, and rightly so, because he's an absolute winner. He wins everywhere he goes, hence the tattoo. He's the only man ever to win all three European trophies. I mean, It was very so Mourinho, <laughs> that, wasn't yeah, it? Because yeah. Because he, he put out a social media post saying, I'm the only person who can have this tattoo. Because he's the only coach who's won the Conference League, the Europa League and the Champions League. I mean, so. at least wait a few more years to let other teams try and win the Conference League, Jose. No, than do it right now. It's going to have maximum One season, one now. success. Eh? Yeah, um, yeah they're, they're going to be really interesting. And I think the um, if I was looking to back something in a Roma market when it's available I'd be looking at Tammy Abraham in the top scorer because he was brilliant he was season. unbelievable last yeah. season um, and if he carries on the way he's going he's absolutely going to be on the plane for the World Cup um, and yeah he, he just he's everything Mourinho would want in a striker he's got the pace to, to run him behind if you want to be direct he can hold the ball up bring others into play he can poach a goal as well which um, you know is really key when they're trying to create overloads so um, I think they'll be really interesting. Be really interesting to see how Dybala fits into to the system because it was a fairly set system and eleven um, for the most part. Obviously, they were juggling European commitments towards the back end, so there's a bit of rotation. Um, their underlying process wasn't 
great last season. It wasn't it wasn't bad. It wasn't terrible. We're not looking like a, a massive overperformer when they finished um, up near the top of the uh, end of the league. But there's a lot of room for improvement there if they are to challenge for the title. And I, and I think the price on them to win the title is just a little bit too short. I don't think that they're at that level yet where they can challenge for that title. Um, there's potentially a spot about open in the in the top four with obviously Napoli getting significantly weaker yeah. in the summer. Kulabali, uh, am I right in saying that Mertens and Insigne have both left? Yeah, that's right. That's so right. The, you know, there's there's potentially a gap there for someone to fill. Atalanta. You know, Mark's uh, the man who he wants it to be his granddad. He's had a couple of tough seasons now. Um, Gasparini. Are they going to bounce down here, back? Mark on Atalanta. There was nobody else that was going to ask about oh. Atalanta. Yeah, I, I'm just going to. They, they they've not hit the heights that they hit a couple of years ago, where we were absolutely buzzing from them. Um, so there is an opportunity for Roma potentially to sneak into the top four, and when that market's available, I'd be looking uh, at seeing what kind of price that is, where they're ranked in that list of teams, because obviously Lazio. Were really exciting to watch under under Saudi last yeah. season. Um, just free scoring, weren't they? Every single week seemed to be both teams scoring overs. Um, so yeah, I, I think if Roma are, are a decent enough price in the top four, I'd be looking at, at backing them there because I think that another season enough Mourinho ball, I think they'll be uh, better for it. Um, so yeah, throw the floor to Mark for Atalanta. Well, I guess I throw Napoli in there as well, Mark, because it feels to me like they're similar in the sense that what they've been doing for the last few seasons is unusual. They've been way above what you'd expect. Napoli have lost Koulibaly, their best defender. They've lost Insignia, very important leader, very important goal scorer. Dries Mertens, their record goal scorer. You lose all of that talent in one summer. That's pretty hard to digest. And then Atalanta are just so far above what we should be expecting. There's kind of a regression to the mean there, isn't there? There is. Uh, I just think Napoli, more so than Atalanta, are going through uh, a transition, a complete overhaul, because you mentioned those players as well. Chuck in goalkeeper Ospina, Gulam as well. That's probably more than your first choice 11, more than half of your first choice 11, really. Um, Milik as well, you know, someone who probably wasn't playing a massive role for them recently. He's, he's now gone. Um, so, yeah, I, I do worry about Napoli um, being able to sort of sustain themselves in the top four. But Atalanta, on the other hand, don't seem to be having the same sort of overhaul. I think there's a recognition that actually last season was just uh, one of those campaigns when things just didn't go right for them. Injuries struck massively, particularly to key players in forward positions. They never really got into any sort of form, any sort of rhythm. I thought they played pretty well in the Champions League and were a little bit unlucky not to to go a bit further. But it was a strange group, that, wasn't it? It was a really of late goals, yeah. loads of old results. It was... And they'll have seen what Villarreal did and probably be ruining their opportunities there. So, um, yeah, I think Atalanta, without any European distractions, can be a force again. And I think, sure, it's massively punching above their weight to think that they can, you know, repeat the, the exploits that they had previous to last season. But as Jake will tell you, that the numbers that they were putting up during those campaigns were title-winning numbers. And, you know, if they can sort of reach anywhere close to those heights, I think they can challenge for the top four because I'm not completely convinced by Roma personally. I think the Dybala signing is is a headline signing, but how many games are we going to get out of him across the 38-game season? Is he going to play? Tw is he going to start 20 matches or more? And if so, he can make a real impact. And that's my issue with Dybala recently. And I think Juve have probably, that's why they probably gave up on him ultimately is he's never fit enough for a long enough um, stretch to really make a massive impact. And it was interesting that Inter were the leaders in that race for quite a while, brought in Lukaku and then went, 
day, we're all right. Yeah, it's a lot of money for someone who's not necessarily guaranteed to play more than half of the matches. And I think that's the biggest shame. If we get a, f a fully fit Dybala for, for 25 matches, he can make a real impact, but I'm not convinced we will. So Lazio, um, <laughs> I think Lazio will be great fun as always. But uh, the one bolter I thought potentially could be Fiorentina. Um, excellent coach. Luka Jovic now on board. Obviously, they suffered with Vlajevic's departure in January. Otherwise, they were pretty much on course for challenging towards the top six. No European commitments as well. Um, won't be savaged by the World Cup exploits either. So, you know, these kind of clubs, particularly Atalanta and Fiorentina, will have the opportunity to sort of have a mini pre-season during the World Cup again and go again. So um, I think that is something to bear in mind in Italy for sure. But um, I think outside Inter, Juve, Milan... Atalanta and Fiorentino with the potentials to play above themselves and potentially squeeze into that top four. It's worth taking a look at our Bet5 Get5 offer. Betfair will be offering a £5 free bet when you place a £5 bet builder on selected games this season. Keep an eye out on Betfair's promo pages for more information. T's and C's in the description. 18 plus. See gambleaware.org. La Liga won at a canter by Real Madrid last season. But big spending Barca are back, whether we like it or not. Spending like it's a remake of Brewster's Millions. If you don't know what that reference is, look it up, kids. So, you don't know what that reference is, do you, Mark? No. Not a clue. Jake? No, I, no, I think I'm the only <laughs> one that does. Uh, very little to choose between the big beasts in the winner market. You've got... Real Madrid, the slight favourites to win La Liga at 2.16. Barca trading at 2.24. Jake, we've got this really weird situation where Barca, we know, have this enormous debt. But what they've done is they've sold 25% of their La Liga TV rights for the next 25 years to Sixth Street, an American company. That's brought in hundreds of millions of euros. They are hoping that they can then say to La Liga, look, we've got all this money. And then La Liga will loosen the restrictions on what they can spend brought in Rafinha they've brought in Robert Lewandowski they've already got some very good young players in Pedri Gavi and Ansu Fati as long as they don't drive those guys into the ground by playing them every week they should be okay so where are they at right now um a lot of financial trouble probably somewhere along the line but as a team I am slightly concerned because I think one of the things we've seen from many teams over the years is that if you try and input loads of new players into a team, it can take a while for them all to get gel and, and fit in. And um, that's half the problem. The other half is how are you going to play them all? Yeah. Because you've got Ferran Torres, you've got Aubameyang, you've got Dembele and you've just brought in Rafinha, Felt Lewandowski. Like they didn't need Rafinha. They definitely didn't need Rafinha, no. Uh, it was a strange kind of signing and, and for him in particular it's quite strange because he's not guaranteed game time there he's desperate to go to Barca though isn't he and this is the thing they've still got that and I think they might lose this if they keep treating players in the way they've treated Frankie de Jong but there's still that emotional connection when we were we're different ages but when we were kids and different eras Barcelona were wow what players what a team you know Ronaldinho you know the, the dream team under Cruyff for a certain generation, there's that emotional pull. So I guess, you know, for Rafinha, it made much more sense to go somewhere else, probably. But he would have looked at that and thought, that is my dream. Yeah, uh, and, you know, he, he may well have sacrificed his World Cup place if he doesn't play often for Barcelona, which he might later regret because, as I've said, there's, there's a lot of good players there. And, you know, I think Usman Dembele is, is one who... 
Um, you know, people probably put Rafinha above him, but all the stats suggest that Dembele's in a really... Like, he finished last season as the expected assist per 95 leader um, after Xavi took over. So he was generating chance after chance after chance for Barcelona. Um, so if he carries on in that same manner, he's going to be one of the first names on the team sheet, especially if you've got someone like Lewandowski in the middle. Um, all, all Dembele has to do is put the ball in and around his vicinity and it's likely going to finish in a goal. So, um, yeah, strange move for Rafinha, I thought. Um, but yeah, all in all, I think that they're going to have a real struggle trying to figure out A, what the best team is and B, keeping everyone happy because ultimately everyone wants game time for one reason or another. Um, and, and for that reason, I'm all over Real Madrid again to, to repeat because they are a very settled team. Everyone knows their role. They've got a really deep squad now. They've got a, a, a nice mix of youth and experience yeah. where you've got the likes of Benzema and you've got Vinicius and Rodrigo. Um, you've got Hazard who... You know, all the talk out of Real Madrid is that he's really fit ahead of this season. He's actually going to play well. <laughs> well. We hope so. He's actually going to play crossed. some games. Um, because, you know, there's nothing better than seeing a peak hazard in flying form. So we, we hope he, he, he gets back to something along those lines. Um, you know, you've strengthened the midfield with Chimani and, and you've got Camavinga, who I thought was absolutely sensational. Game changer the in the League. Champions yeah. League at times, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, and all of a sudden, you've, you've got your next generation midfield at Real Madrid, where you've got Chimani, you've got um, Camavinga and Valverde to replace Cruz, Modric and Casemiro. So they're in a really good place moving forward. Um, you, you, you add in Rudiger as well as that right centre-half, uh, potentially alongside Alaba, and all of a sudden, they're looking a really serious proposition um, then continuity can sometimes be the best um, way forward. And they've got that in abundance there. Yeah, Barcelona are making them look incredibly sensible, Mark. If for years, we kind of, you know, you looked at the Galacticos project and you kind of looked at Florentino Perez and went, what a crazy guy, you know, he's making all these signings. Sensible forward planning was not his vibe. But they've managed to rebuild the stadium. That cost a huge amount of money. They've kept the powder dry for quite a long time in the transfer market. And now instead of making these kind of vanity signings, they've actually gone, well, let's get some good young guys in who can learn. You know, if sure many comes in and can learn from Casemiro, Modric and Kroos, what an incredible university that is. And Jake's word settled is, is the absolute one, isn't it? Because they feel very, very settled. And the coach is the biggest part of that. Yep, there's a balance about them as well, which I don't think Barcelona have right now. Uh, continuity, consistency, just uh, I think um, from not just the, the players and the coach, but obviously above as you're talking about, there's a, an idea about what they want to be and where they're going to go and how they're going to do it. And there doesn't seem to be that same joined up thinking at Barcelona right now, where it just tends to be let's buy some star names and Xavi, it's up to you to try and fit them into the team. And yeah. <laughs> Yeah, balance is my issue. Do you think it's a presidential thing? Because Florentino Perez, he's not going anywhere. Everybody knows that he's got that position. Whereas Laporta knows if he makes a few missteps and doesn't get all of these stars in, it's going to be a while. But when the next elections come up, there'll be people who will say, well, he saved a bit of money, but he hasn't signed anybody and we're not competing. And he's out. So... There is a big difference there in terms of their positions as president. Yeah, I think you sort of alluded to, I think the two teams have almost swapped places from, from a decade ago when Real Madrid were craving the Galacticos and Barcelona were doing some more astute and sensible business, yeah. really, and, and pre-planning and building squads, whereas nowadays it's it's a bit of a mess. Um, and look, I'm 
excited by the signing of Robert Lewandowski. I think he could absolutely hack up in the La Liga. But where does he fit in? Where, where does Aubameyang fit into this squad? Where does Dubai fit into this squad? Like um, on the transfer list, I imagine. It, yeah, it's they're, sad, really. He's a guy clearly who, trying you, to get rid of him. You talked about um, sort of seeing Barcelona as a dream move. Well, he's never really been given the opportunity to flourish in the position that he wants and and can actually make an impact. So. Yeah, I think Barca, you know, I worry about Ansu Fati and whether he's going to get the opportunity um, with the signings that Barcelona have made. Um, Dembele, as you mentioned already, wonderful end to the season. Injury prone, but is he going to get the opportunity to continue? Uh, I don't know. And look, I trust Xavi. I think he's a wonderful football brain, but he's got a hell of a job to try and fit a, fit a team together and make them competitive. I think they'll be top four easily, but uh, are they going to sort of reel in Real Madrid right now? No. Jake, on a smaller scale, Atletico Madrid have financial restrictions. Still got some very good players at the club. They're 6.8 to win the league. They've done a brilliant job in making a two-horse race a three-horse race in recent years. They do feel a little bit off it at the moment, though, don't they? Yeah, they are. And I think part of that stems from an almost Simeone himself and, and maybe the people above him wanting to transition from a, just a, an absolute dogged style of football to trying to be a bit more expansive. You saw that with the signings that they made. I mean, Joao Felix coming in, he's not gonna, you're not going to buy him to play 10 men behind the ball and no. get him to defend and counter-attack. So um, I think they got caught up in that a little bit, their identity and what they wanted to do. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do this season, whether they revert to that norm and be, be, being really difficult to beat and trying to win games 1-0, 2-1. Um, because as you said, they, they have got quality there, especially at the top end of the pitch. Um, that unfortunately for them, they've just fallen way behind Real Madrid in particular, who have kicked on a gear um, a couple of levels above in terms of the transfer dealings. Um, and obviously they've brought back a coach in Ancelotti, who is one of the most seasoned uh, around in terms of A, winning things, and B, managing big egos, which is, is always a massive job at Real Madrid. Including the ego of the president, which yes. is a big part yeah. of it. Um, Mark... I think fourth is pretty open here. Sevilla do brilliant business all the time. We know that. But they've lost Diego Carlos to Villa. Going to lose Koundé wherever he goes. Probably Chelsea, but Barcelona in for him. It may well have happened. And so they had a dreadful end to the season. Didn't really kind of... They got distracted by the Europa League and they got knocked out. And it just didn't... So then you think, well, Real Sociedad are there, Real Betis are there, Villarreal are there, potentially. There's lots of clubs that could sneak in there, aren't there? Yeah. Um, Sevilla looked to me like they've gone a bit stale and I'm not... I'm a, a bit uneasy about the situation with Lopetegui and the supporters at the minute because they're a demanding bunch at Sevilla and they are quite a results-orientated club. Um, they're not too bothered by the style, whereas their neighbours, Betis, will... You know, demand a, a more is aesthetically pleasing style of football yeah. um, but as you say things tended to run its course towards the end of last season and the campaign before and I think Lopetegui's style of football can grind people down sometimes if you're watching it's it weekend, got to win hasn't yeah, it if, it's yeah. not, if, they're not, if they're not winning comfortably you just get the job done and when it doesn't happen people get a little bit frustrated and I think those two key defenders moving on You'd always back Sevilla to do enough business in, and the right business to make it work. But at the minute, there's no major incomings. just feels a little bit stale to me, and they look vulnerable in that top four battle. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if anybody can sneak in. This football season, you can get a helping hand with Betfair's popular bet builder. Easily adds our most popular or fan favourite football selections to your bet slip with just one tap. T's and C's in the description, 18+. plus. See gambleaware.org. 
Let's move on to Ligue 1 then. Paris 1.18 to win the title. It might be the winner without Paris that's the more interesting market. There's not much liquidity in that market at the moment, but there will be going forward. Jake Paris are trying to grow up. They're trying to be more French orientated. They've signed Hugo Ekitike, the impressive young striker from Reims. They've brought in Christophe Galtier, who won the league with Lille, which annoyed Paris at the time, but they were clearly impressed by what he did. Kylian Mbappe has stayed, which is an enormous boost for that football club. But they're talking a lot about less bling and, and more kind of focus on what they need to do. I mean, this has been overdue for a long, long time. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't get any less bling than Mbappe, Messi, Neymar front three, does it? Um, especially when Mbappe is the new CEO. So, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah it's, 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 it's always tricky with France to try and find some sort of value uh, from a betting standpoint because PSG are just too short and they pretty much deserve to be that short because they're just so good compared to the rest of the league. If you um, kick them out, the league would be amazing. It would be really good. That's something we should maybe petition yeah. for. Get um, Paris out of league. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah, they're... they're It'd be interesting to see how Galtier gets on. Um, obviously, he didn't work for Pochettino whatsoever. Um, for whatever reason, just then no one bought into the way which he wanted to play. It was completely the wrong coach. He's a project guy, isn't he? Yeah. You can't bring a project guy into a, a team like that. It's just not going to work. No, you, for a team like that, in my opinion, you do need someone like a Zidane or an Ancelotti who have a bit of tactical nous about them, but also are really good at managing egos and players and, and keeping everyone happy. And Pochettino is just not like that at all. He wants everyone to buy in and, and sort of work really, really hard um, on his processes, his systems. And, and yeah, good luck trying to do that with Neymar, Messi and Mbappe. Um, but yeah, outside of those um, superstars at PSG, I think Monaco could be one to watch again this season. Yeah. Um, they were one Made that... a brilliant end to last season. Really impressive. Um, they were one that I, I put up at the start of last season to finish in the top three and they just about nicked it. Um, they, they look... To me, the, the way they finished was sensational after the managerial change. Um, and I think that they could will go close again. Um, Leon, they'll not be as bad as last season. Um, they obviously finished okay, but the start of the season was an absolute wreck. Um, and then you've got the likes of Wren, who, from an underlying process standpoint, were one of the better teams in the league. Yeah. But they've lost a couple of players, particularly the centre-half to West Ham. Uh, was it Aguirre? Yeah, excellent um, player. Yeah. Nice again. And then they could well get um, lose a couple more players before the start of the season. Um, Marseille, managerial change. <laughs> well, well, Mark, just when we thought everything was going well for Marseille, then it all went a bit That's wrong. A classic example. Yeah, I, when I saw the news, I was surprised, but I wasn't surprised at the same time because if there's, if there's a club in France and if there's a coach in France, we expected some sort of bust-up or something to go wrong. Probably was going to be at Marseille. So basically, Jorge Sampaoli just left yeah. because he wasn't happy with the transfer business. It's a great shame because Marseille are a great club, um, a great European club, big club in France, arguably the biggest in France. And to have a good Marseille, um, it's always good for the league. And yeah, uh, it's a shame, a surprise choice to take over in Igor Tudor, um, who did very well with Ellis Verona in Italy, but um, a bit of a left field decision, I thought, to, to go and appoint him. So I think the jury is out on, on Marseille. Um, yeah, I expect Monaco to go well. Um, you know, Brees and Bolo, um, exciting signing, but if he's going to be fit for, for more than half the season. But Minamino um, is a real, yeah, that's a good really guess, interesting signing. So I think they'll be fun and competitive again. Um, Marseille, as I say, question mark over them. Lucien Favre going back to Nice, I think, is a real coup for them. Um, decent replacement for Gautier. But Fonseca at Lille, like, where did that come from? Yeah. Um, 
I mean, I'm not expecting Lille to put up trees because the squad's probably not strong enough and they've lost key players in the last couple of years. But that's a huge, huge statement of intent from them. A massive coup. Um, so I'm really excited by that battle below PSG. But you mentioned them. I think Leon are the ones that interest me most, um, which is probably a bit bold considering Peter Bosch is still there. And we yeah, know things all go horribly wrong. <laughs> things tend to be a bit, a bit mad under they've him. Lost some, but they're going to lose some big players, aren't they, though? Pakitar's probably going to go. Uh, Moussa Dembele's been linked with clubs. I just think numbers were good last season. They didn't always get the rubber the green defensively. I think they started to solve things in the second half of the season. No European commitments, Lacazette back. Um, just feels like a I nice can fit. See the two voices in your I head. I know. One with all of the sensible stuff. Anyone but Peter and Bosch. The other one going, Peter Bosch is in charge. This <laughs> is all going to go wrong. Yeah. But um, no, just, just excited by that battle because I think there's a lot of quality coaches behind the PSG train. And um, um, Marseille would be the ones I worry about because I'm not sure about Igor Tudor stepping into that role. I think that's a, a big step up from what he was doing at Hellas. Bundesliga, very similar in the sense that Bayern are the best team by miles, I believe. I know people looked at the way they finished last season and started getting excited. They brought Matthias to Licht. It's a brilliant signing. That centre-back thing is going to be tremendous under Nagelsmann. Sadio Mane is a world-class player, so I think that's huge. It gives Julian Nagelsmann that tactical flexibility in the front three that he wanted. Kept Müller, kept Neuer, extended their contracts. Kept Gnabry, I think that's huge as well. In midfield, really like Graverberg. I think he's a really sensible signing. They're going to need cover for Goretzka because I think his knee is not right. He's had surgery, so we'll see what happens there. I look at most areas, apart from probably right back, Masraoui's come in. I think they're probably going to sell Pavar maybe because Pavar won't accept being a sub. But it's the best squad in Germany. And it's the best centre-half, doesn't he? Well. He wants to play centre-half, but I don't think he'll do it at Bayern. Unless they sell Upamecano or Hernandez, but I can't see that happening. So then again, we're looking at, okay, Bayern are probably going to win the league. What market do we look at? And it's the winner without Bayern. And then you're probably, Jake, looking at either Leipzig or Dortmund, aren't you? Definitely, yeah. yeah. Um, I think Leipzig would be the one for me. Um, Dortmund, there's still still a little bit of naivety about them. And, and it's, it's sad to say, obviously, we wish Seb, Seb Haller all yes, the best. But absolutely. He, he was their marquee striker signing. And, and if he's out, then um, you know that that is a big blow to Dortmund because I think he would have scored a lot of goals this yeah. season. Just to clarify, if you don't know, by the way, Sebastian Haller, um, very sadly, it was just, he was feeling unwell at their uh, training camp in Bad Regards. And it was discovered that he has a testicular tumour. We don't know what the nature of that is, but we do know that he's had the first stage of uh, whatever surgery that he needs. So we wish him well. But at the time of recording, we don't know how long he's going to be out for. No, and, and I think the, the consistency with Leipzig should stand them in good stead. Yeah. In the without Bayern Munich market, they've kept the manager, as you kept Nkunku, which is massive because... That's a massive statement for the football club, isn't <clears> it? Because... So many clubs would have wanted to sign him. I never believed he would go this summer, but I thought he might go next summer. But he's saying, actually, I'm really happy where I am. If that's the case, then, um, you know, do, do you see Leipzig maybe changing tack? Obviously, turning from a selling club into one that does want to stay in challenge, if you can <sighs> convince players like that. I think that's the plan. Yeah. I think that's what they love to do. The, the model is always to identify young talent, develop it and sell it on. That's how the finances work because they're not going to be able to... I think people look at it and think, well, Red Bull back them. They've got tons of money and just chuck money in. It doesn't really work like that for them. They have to operate 
as a as a going concern they have to bring players in sell them for profit and go that way but i think they're building and i think players are recognizing what they're doing mark in terms of dortmund edin terzic has got the coach's job back marco rosa has gone he always had that element of supply teacher about him that Terzic was the more popular guy. He was over the way as technical director and everybody was like, oh, well, Edin did it this way. We don't want to do it this way. And it just, it never worked, did it? No, um, but I do think Dortmund have made some smart signings, particularly at centre-half, which is crying out for for years, really. But Nicholas Sula was a, a fantastic capture. Fridge uh, on wheels. <laughs> Brilliant player. <laughs> uh, and Schotterback as well. Um, two players who will improve that defence immensely. But... Yeah, there's still an issue for me with balance and sort of getting the right system in place. Um, we can't not mention Haaland either because we well, talk about him in the Premier League. Goals, yeah, yeah, just a, an absolute goal giant, basically, who's uh, who's gone. So that is a worry. And you know, compare those issues, um, deficiencies, if you like, from Dortmund to, to Leipzig at the minute, and there is a difference between the two. And I think the way in which Leipzig played after Tedesco arrived, they were the better team of the two and if they can offer the same sort of consistency, continuity as they had last season, um, you have to rate Dortmund down because Haaland's gone. Um, yeah. Regardless of what they've done at centre-half, you just have to mark them down. Even with Allaire, I still think you've got to mark Dortmund down. So there is a disparity between the two teams and therefore Leipzig would be the favoured option. Um, and just a shout for Leverkusen, who I thought had a fantastic season if they showed a bit more consistency and ability um, towards the end of the campaign could have easily sort of broken into that sort of top two. Um, I think they've got the talent to, to be there and thereabouts yet again, but um, I think Leipzig would be the one. Yeah, I think it's a lot to ask Leverkusen to finish above both of them. They might get above one of them. I can't see them finishing in that second spot. We'll move on to Scotland. You might think, well, they'll talk about the old firm, surely. Well, Celtic are the 1.64 favourites to win the league, Rangers 2.66. But actually, Mark O'Hare, you have something far more interesting from Scotland, don't you? Uh, yeah, it's just something I noticed. Um, Scotland League Two on the <laughs> opening weekend of, course, it's Scotland of the league season. Two. The newly promoted Bonnie Rig Rose have been installed as anti-post favourites in the fourth tier of Scotland. Um, now, anyone who's followed these leagues pretty closely will have noticed Kelty Hearts hacking up as champions last season, Cove Rangers, the campaign before. The teams who be promoted from the Highland League or, or the Lowland League tend to come with a bit of a budget and a bit of an ambition to go and do things. And you don't need a huge amount of money to go well in Scotland's fourth tier. So Bonnie Rig are being talked about as the, well, they are the anti-post favourites. Yet on the opening weekend, they are underdogs in their opening match at home which is very surprising. So um, if you get on there and back Bonnie Rig, whether it's draw, draw no bet, double chance, or just to win the match, you need know, some fantastic odds. And I guarantee by September, you will never get those opportunity to back Bonnie Rig at those kind of prices again in this league. I love it. So he spends hours looking at all of these leagues in the bet cave, and that's the result. We have said it's a top five leagues podcast, and the reason for that, Mark, is you have a couple of odds on that selections from the Premier League for us. Yeah, um, I'll go with the shorter one first, but it's a, a bet at 9-2, to two, um, which has actually won in four of the last five Premier League campaigns. But it's 9-2, to two, so a bit of a price and, and value play here. It's Liverpool to go unbeaten at Anfield at home in the Premier League this season. 9-2. to two. They've done it in four of the last five campaigns. They've lost six home games in 95 since the start of 2017-18. All six games came consecutively during the COVID-impacted yeah. campaign when injuries defensively absolutely ruined Liverpool's ship, campaign. They, yeah. 
all six defeats in those five years came consecutively. Bar that, they've not lost at home in five years, which is remarkable, really. They're going to go off as strong favourites in nearly every game, bar when Man City arrive at Anfield. Uh, 9-2 to repeat the feat. Um, just because it's been done so regularly, feels like the wrong price. Um, and a bigger one here, 150-1. to 1. Five or more corners to be uh, won in every Premier League match this season. Um, Premier League games over the last five years average over 10 corners per game. Uh, just shy of 80% of those matches featured eight or more corners. Last season, only eight games featured uh, fewer than five corners. And over the last five seasons, 97% of games have produced five or more corners. It's a big price. It's a fun bet. It's not going to win, but it will be quite fun to follow. It might win. It might win. <laughs> it won't win. <laughs> but I'll be sticking a few quid on just for interest. Um, there's going to be a game at somewhere along the line, which you know, is an absolute stinker, and you'll probably get three or four corners, and the bet will miss. But it shouldn't be 150 to 1. It's the wrong price. Um, and you mentioned Liverpool and Man City games. Not to finish a nil-nil, not to include a nil-nil throughout the campaign at 12 to 1, which is something I really like as well. But you can stretch it furthering at 250 to 1 on not just Liverpool and City, but also Chelsea and Man United. Those four teams not to be involved in a nil-nil draw at all. Um, those four teams last season collectively were involved in just four goalless draws. You've got Pep and Klopp, you know, almost a guarantee of goals. Ten Hag wants to play on the front foot. Yeah. And Tuchel, who I think... Um, you know, it's probably signed in Sterling, a player who'll add in the final third as well. Um, so, yeah, combined together, those four teams failed to score in just nine games last season. Um, and where is it? I've got another stat somewhere. Um, if you ignore the COVID interrupted campaign, the, the season before in 1920, those four teams were involved in just two nil nil draws to get collectively, which is unbelievable, really. So, 250 to one, which is again a big price. It won't win, but it's something fun to cheer on. It might win. <laughs> There's always that glimmer it of win, but It won't win. And on that note of optimism, <laughs> that's all we have time for on this top five leagues edition of New Season Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly on our website, betting.betfair.com. We have previews of the Bundesliga. We have La Liga. We have Liga and Serie A as well. And we'll be talking about those leagues a lot going forward on Football Only Better. From Mark, from Jake and from me. It's goodbye for now. 